You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms Podcast. Today, I have with us Richard Blank, the CEO of Costa Rica's call center since 2008 and a trailblazer in the telemarketing agency industry. Excuse me. At the age of 27, he trained over 5,000 employees in San Jose, leveraging dynamic public speaking skills and also his expertise to be able to educate over 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. Richard, first of all, happy Sunday. What's and up, how are you man? doing today? It's so good to see you and uh, to be here on the podcast. I love your work. I'm just paying it forward. It's one of your many fans that had the nerve to write you <laughs> and say, hey, Finan, I think I have something to share. So uh, that's why I'm here today. But thank you very much for the acclimates and the introduction. It's been a very interesting journey. And a lot of it is just learning as I go along. Yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it. So I had to ask you. So at the age of 27, you get up... Just found out you were from Philadelphia, correct? Yes, Northeast right, Philly. So, so you're in Northeast Philly, took your life, went to Costa Rica. I'm actually 27 right now. So it's, it was kind of interesting to learn that information while I was seeing it. What made you pick up your life at 27 and move all the way to Costa Rica? What gave you that confidence and to be able to take that risk? Well, it's definitely built on momentum. Mm-hmm. What I had done was when I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia, I had a choice to choose a language during high school. I chose Spanish. Little did I know I chose to become a Spanish major at the University of Arizona. I didn't have the grades, the structure, or discipline to go Ivy League or study medicine, law, engineering, or architecture. I was almost like that dreamer. I knew that by having leverage, marketability being the only one that could speak a second language, I might get chosen first in kickball. So I decided (laughs) to do it. And uh, little did I know that when I tested the waters in college and interned for Telemundo and post-grad, I got a job working for the importers of Corona, it was that positive reinforcement that I'm getting a return on investment of my education. And I had the fidelity. I was going to go the distance. You know, you love something, Fianon, is when you just don't do the classroom and the homework. You do the dedicated practice. My favorite example is the karate kid. Miyagi wasn't always there. And Danielson had to go on that boat and practice and on that stump on the beach and practice the, the magic kick. And those that practice their violin or their guitar or painting and singing and athletics, any sort of art, they go above and beyond. They have the passion for it. I believe odds are in your favor or just through natural suge- uh, selection, destiny, wind and currents, you'll be at the right place at the right time to make these decisions. And so when I was 27, I was in between jobs and a very good friend of mine had a call center here and said, Richie, come down for two months and teach some English to the agents. Well, Finan, if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can live anywhere in the world. And also that barn door was open. I wasn't coming back. When I stepped off the plane in this beautiful Central America paradise, I realized that I was going to go the full distance to see what I could do to stay here. Because you know something feels right. You get the sixth sense or the tingles or the 
cosquillas is what we call it. And so I just didn't want to lose that honeymoon stage, my friend. And I was going to fight for anything to stay here. And that's where it all began. That's where it all began. And this is where we are today. So you're in between jobs, get this phone call. You're not letting your parents give to you. I think that's something that's really huge because a lot of people, they deal with certain expectations from their parents to become whatever it is, whatever career path that they want for their children, right? And sure. it's sometimes they get very weary or they get concerned, especially uh, when somebody doesn't have a job because anything can happen at that point, especially in today's economy. Okay. Right? So how are you able to communicate that with your parents? You know what? Listen, I have this opportunity. I believe in myself. Um, you're just going to have to trust me and have faith that I'm going to be successful no matter where I go? Well, Finan, that's an excellent question. But prior to even that, I had a lot of checkpoints that I already completed. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, choosing to invest five years of college, I did four at the university and one abroad. Mm -hmm. I had to convince my parents to be a Spanish major when they expected finance or law. So my argument, which I thought was a very strong one, I talked about great grandma and great grandpa. Hmm? Yeah, they came at the turn of the 20th century from Eastern Europe. They lived in New York and they were in the garment industry. And trust me, great grandpa didn't speak English. He spoke Russian, Romanian, Polish, or German. And so you got to look at both sides of the family. So I just doubled down on that bed. I go, <laughs> mom and dad, come on. I mean, you guys wouldn't even be here. So then they look their head and I go, secondly, think about where things are going in the United States in regards to second languages. I'm not talking about something that you have to plug in, download, or go once a year to. This is all the world's a stage. And stop petting my head and saying it's cute that I know 20 vocab words. When I meet someone that's Latino, they see that I have a little bit more depth and that I have true interest in it. And all they wanted to do is say, go, Richard, go. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, my friend, getting at that stage and having all those times the naysayers and gray believers could have said, I told you so. No, I got the jobs in Spanish. I closed deals in Spanish. I represented Telemundo in Tucson in Spanish. That was wickedly cool and a very very nice thing that they offered for me as an internship and the people that I met. And it was a, as I say, I love paying it forward. I like individuals that lend a hand and like the cool senior to the freshman, just to tell you how to have a great time in school. It doesn't mean you have to put in the work and be prepared, but they're also letting you know that you can do this. And what I like is authenticity. And since I'm a guest in this country, you can't spin the Spanish and I have to follow labor laws. And in my industry, you know, on the market speaks, I'm in a very competitive industry. It's the call center industry. And so leave me today, have a job at Amazon tomorrow. <laughs> How do I keep you? Right. I give you your dignity and extend empathy. And I learned that as well when I was learning the second language to have patience for people and to assist when able. I want to, I want to ask something you, uh, lighthearted, uh, very fun. So you've been in Costa Rica for about over a little over 20 years, correct? Yes. 23 okay. years. So for someone that may be interested in visiting or even maybe living in Costa Rica, what have been some of your favorite aspects of, 
social life, maybe just having fun or just living in general. Uh, what, what have you enjoyed so much about Costa Rica? Because over 20 years, you're still there. So obviously, you're enjoying your time there. I think it's the thing that everybody can share. It's the not only the natural beauty, but physiologically, you can eat exceptionally well and healthy here. Mm -hmm. They have the most incredible farmer's markets on the weekends, so you can stock your fridge for pennies on the dollar mm. and improve your health. And if your health feels good, then your trunk of the tree is good. Then you can expand and bring in others. And so I've seen people come here for just in and outs of a retreat, yoga, surfing, adventure, honeymoon. That's great that they taste it, but you need to go through certain stages. So once that wears off, you really get a chance to it's almost like getting out of the hotel or the major city. You're supposed mm -hmm. to see what the countryside looks like and what the people are like out there and what the food is like. And so I want to have some people depending on their time to see what they can experience. It's the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to come back to your town and tell them tall tales and stories and things you've experienced and discovered. And it's also supposed to open your mind that there are not other places that are better or worse, but it should humble you. You should realize that there are other people that have honor and, and valor in other things. And so for me, growing up, Pac-Man was important and playing on my ice hockey team and, you know, where you would hang out on the weekends and in college, the parties and post-grad. And that's fine. But when you move abroad, you almost have to shed some skin, you know, and, and almost begin again. And at 27, that's a good age. I, it wasn't for Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin, unfortunately. But they also say that 27 is almost another rebirth because you're not young anymore. You're not old, but you're really at a perfect apex and a balance of where you can take your life right now. And my good friend, I decided to roll dice. Bet it all on me. Why? Why not? You need to click your heels and have that sort of smile in life because at the end of the day, sometimes that's all you got. Your pockets are empty. You still see the person smiling and you wonder what, what gets them off that mountain through that desert off the high seas or goes those extra rounds in a fight when their legs want to give out. You tell me, there was something inside of me that would have never let me live with myself if I didn't at least try something. And all the tell signs were there through different stages of my growth and my development. So you just got to slow down a little bit, my friend, and, and not go future or past. Have it in the buffer zone but really stop for a minute. And may I share a secret with you and your amazing audience? Go ahead. I came to these conclusions when I was image streaming, when I could decompress any sort of stimulation. And mind you, the largest decisions I made of my life were pre-cell phone and pre-internet. I mean, we're, I mean, you know, in the nineties in college, but come on, let's be realistic. Not everyone had a phone. They had these big ass things. <laughs> right. So, so I was still doing it old school style where I had to, I couldn't Google it. And I, and I just spoke to certain professors and, and, and read a lot of stuff and highlighter pens, but I took a lot of walks or I spent a lot of time, not in meditation. I don't have that sort of structure, but through playing pinball or through 
hitting out golf balls, washing my car on a Sunday, and especially hitting the gym, okay? I am able to prioritize short, middle, and long-term goals. I can shed fat. And I can also, given the luxury of time during certain conflicts or interpersonal communications, I can gauge things and then see if I overextended myself. So when I re-interact with these individuals, I, I can almost get a second chance at this because you, you don't want to make things as an ultimatum. And so you can't spin so much. Right. There, there needs to be an oasis in your desert, for goodness sake. And I don't know how you're going to do it. But for me, I had some major structure with working out, at least my Sunday car, pinball once a day. So there are certain checkpoints and big blocks of time where I can recap the week. Um, no one else is going to do this for you, and it shouldn't be a forced march. These are your structures and disciplines, and you'll know where to focus energy. That's all. I mean, that's, that's my old school way, my friend, on how I was able to do these building blocks through, through time, through decades. In order, if I did stumble, it wasn't a fall. Think about it like that. You're supposed to get blocked in football. Mm. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. But you can also use that to your advantage and make a spin move or have one of your buddies make a block for you. That's all. And, and I was able to delegate and bring in amazing people with me that grew with me. I never brought in supervisors from the outside. I think that's a huge no-no. They're a mercenary. They'll just bounce. And secondly, they'll cause a cancer and a disruption. And they'll never have the respect of the proletariat because they didn't earn their stripes. It might be the sharpest knife, and I think it's great. Well, then get in with the, you know, with the freshmen and show me you can put up, you know, double digits. And if you can do that, obviously you'll grow quick. But bro, eat, break bread with the people, and maybe by your presence can spread out amongst others. So then we can have individuals and in intermediate levels sit next to you for a buddy process or anchoring and bonding or live shadowing. This is the natural thing where people can just breathe it in compared to forcing it in a meeting with me and you with coffee breath screaming at them. And then all of a sudden they want to quit. You know, you're not going to do that. We don't do things like that. See, your podcast allows me to zig and zag, and I appreciate it. You just allow me to close my eyes and see where we go. But That's thank real. you, my friend. Mm -hmm. Of course. I love doing that because uh, we, as, as humans, we have a lot inside us. And a lot of times we don't have the space, the environment, uh, that safe space to be able to expand our, our thoughts, uh, what we want to do, all things of that nature. So like I told you earlier, you know, before we even started recording, I love this to be free flowing because I believe that's where you get not only the most genuine conversation, but that's where a person can really pick up gems out of somebody. I've I've been picking up gems as you've been speaking over the last couple of minutes, and I hope the audience uh, has also been picking up gems. One thing that I picked up was um, you were talking about structure, right? Yeah. You know, the structure is what always helps you. And I was reading the book, I don't think it's within Reaper, but it's called uh, My Morning Routine. And so the book is really just like a confirmation of a whole lot of CEOs, 
um, and just high level executives on what they do every single morning to get their day started. Because the book is essentially saying that, you know, the, the key to having an amazing day is having a great morning because you own that morning before everything else for that day gets started. And it's just so interesting seeing how all these high level people are starting out their days. Everybody is completely different. Some people wake up at 5 a.m. Some people are waking up before. Some people are waking up at 8 a.m. Some people are like, oh, 8 a.m., that's late, right? But it all depends on the structure that they have in place in their actual life, that they're able to center themselves in order to continue to be in a high-level achiever that they are. So, I would, I, again, like I told you before, this is free-flowing, so I wasn't even planning on asking anything like this. But Richard, how do you get your day started in terms of structure? No, I'm usually up by about... 530 mm-hmm. in the gym by six. I'm not going to lie to you. I take creatine. I also <laughs> drink beet juice. Oh, I, I mean, I do certain juice. things to give me the boost. And so I do that and take protein powders. I'm 51, but you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And, um, but you mentioned about having that discipline and structure, but you could still bring this with you. Now, as much as I go from my call center to the floor to my office, I still have to finish here. And so I also remember when I was in the cubicle or when I was working as a waiter and I had my other jobs, a lot of the times it's really not about the darkness around you. It's the Scooby-Doo candle that you have that at least lights where you're going around this thing. And so I, I never let a lot of the distractions bother me. It's, it's bells and whistles. It's flash. And it's almost like people that do micro expression reading at airports to see who is the terrorist, who's suspicious, because mm-hmm. people are normally nervous to fly or they don't feel good, ate too much, right. drank too much, tired kids. But they look for that one individual that is literally not in sync, almost like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I think it was Strangers on a Train where people are playing tennis and everyone's moving their head to watch the game, but one guy's oh. staring at you straight. Yeah, that's that guy. And so um, you you see these tell signs. People sometimes give it away for game. Sometimes it's because they're not paying attention or lazy or they just don't know. And so for me, I give, as you mentioned, benefits of doubt to individuals. And when you're setting an environment, my structure is literally about me because there will be some envy there. People will ask for time. They'll ask for information, commitments. And you're saying, well, Richard needs his gym time from six to eight in the morning. If I can get it. But yo, if I'm up till two in the morning because clients are in town mm-hmm. or starting a new campaign, I'm writing a script. And I just can't sleep because I ate too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I don't know if I'm getting up at six to hit the gym by eight. I might be <laughs> up getting up by eight. But but that's the luxury of a CEO. You 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 can get up at that time. It's not like banker's hours. And how about the other times when someone might be driving past the center or your office and seeing a light on on a Saturday night? They might say, well, you know, Phenon and Richard's catching up for the week. No, man, we are totally preparing for the week ahead. We're about to go get some Chinese food. And, uh, <laughs> and you're looking at the dedicated practice champ. You're looking at the champ. And it's not... So it's the way people perceive it and see it. Do they see us going to the gym 
as something that is intimidating or that we're looking to prove something, that's them. I really have to have this sort of clean slate with people. They can't bring to me experiences that happened to them prior, as I won't prejudge them. I'm meeting you at 27. I'm 51. We have a lot of good stories to tell, but we are literally going to live in the now and judge our courtesy, manners, and interest during the time that we're together. And naturally, post-production, we'll be in touch because you are my main man. Okay. But I, um, I want to go to Costa Rica too, so for sure. Oh, you are coming to Costa. We'll have our second podcast here. But one of your main goals on your site, and we can always give this as a, as a reference to every example, is the authenticity, right, of people, and not, you know, I know the expression "faking when you make it," but it, it, it's almost. I'm going to say this, like the statue of David, or you're supposed to be vulnerable. In order to be powerful, you're looking at a statue of a naked man. Some people, depending on how they were raised, might feel ashamed while other people experience the beauty of life themselves and nature and realize that this is a, a foundation of thought. Well, and I'm willing to die with my time. boots on. You say you have I'm to sorry? be vulnerable. Can you say that one more time? You say you have to be vulnerable for what? You have to be vulnerable to be powerful. My friend. Look at all the episodes and time and investment and treasure you've put into this podcast. And that's just a fraction of your life that people get to know. But you're a fun guy. You're a cool cat, a player. Same with myself. We're just sharing what we have at the moment. But we have so many more stories to tell of a long life. But we're bold and brave enough to come here on a weekend during our free time because we have excellent time management hmm? and respect each other's time realizing the value of this, and we can squeeze it in with our family and friends and commitments to not only prove to each other, but to your audience, there are people out there that go above and beyond. And this is what it takes for me to pay it forward for you, my friend, and, and for you to give me this great opportunity to come on here and share some cool ideas. And so you want to talk about beauties of life? Now is the beauty of life. There's no money exchanged on this. It's just about two friends hanging out. And if you can do it like that, the money will come. Don't chase the cash. You'll make it if you got if you got the, the skills. You want to be authentic with people like Fionn and myself. We're doing this right now. And um, that's the foundation of an extremely long-term relationship. And if somebody says, hey, do you know who Fionn is? I'll remember your name for the next 50 years. So you're leaving that sort of impression and if you want to know how networks grow, by planting this seed, by being on the Phenon podcast and meeting his amazing audience, it's, you're really teaching solid examples, almost like an ABC after school special, where we learn something from your show. And plus, we're not yeah. going to curse because my mother's going to be watching. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we always yeah. learn something here. It's not a tip and trick of being a CEO. I'm trying to teach you an old school lesson that was taught by your grandparents that you need mm -hmm. to remember again. Mm -hmm. That's the foundation to get you through these deserts. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny that you say that. So I am a, a college instructor. And so some of my students were recently asking me about my show and I was telling them I end up interviewing a lot of either CEOs or people that have six or seven figure businesses. And the one thing that I am always getting across out of the conversation, and I told them that I always find out that I want other people to learn, is that a lot of those individuals, like yourself, is not 
it's it's the base, right? It's the foundation that gets them somewhere, right? It's the discipline, it's consistency, right? Structure, it's all things of that nature. And a lot of people overthink that they need to have all these shiny objects, they need all these tools in order to continue to excel in life and, and have this dream life that they think is only attainable by going above and beyond. Of course, you got to go above and beyond, but you got to go above and beyond the basics. A lot of people see that. And so that's one thing that I always love. Uh, no matter who it is I'm talking to, you know, great people like yourself, uh, the conversation always just happens to go naturally in that direction. Like you were saying, you know, it's the stuff that your grandma taught, right? When you were just like five, six years old. And, and now as people continue to grow in life, they're like, wow, man, I sure do remember my grandma telling me that. My mom telling me that. My dad teaching me that. And now it makes That's right. sense. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're showing respect to your lineage and, you know, your nature and nurture. But listen, this is the real deal. At the end of the day, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And when you put your head on the pillow and having those extremely clear, lucid thoughts, my suggestion is to look at your day and regardless of the outcome, if you had done things with honorable intentions, good faith, then you can live with yourself. Yeah, but Richard, I didn't make the hundred hours today I was supposed to make. Okay. But did you ever make a day where you had a buck 20? <laughs> yes. Well then calm down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, and it's really character during chaos, Phenon. I'd love to see you elated when you're crushing it, but I'm twice as curious, not that I'm happy it happened, but it's an excellent way for me to see you. If you lose your wallet or keys, get a flat tire, get a drink spilled on you in a restaurant, maybe the food's cold to, you know, with the waiter. How do you roll? And so I, I like when people... Sometimes, even though you only get one time to see it, and, you, and there's a lot of other factors, but when you see people take a breath before speaking, or their temperature is capable of being lowered, mm-hmm. especially with their tone or their profanity or pointing and touching and spacing, it's an excellent way to see somebody, as you say, vulnerable. But I also love if someone gets wine spilled on them, they just say, hey, here we go. <laughs> Might as well spill more on me and just dance in the rain. I mean, there's, there's nothing. That's why they have the expression. In your beautiful suit and on a date or whatever, in your talks, you should, if you ever have one chance in life, is to dance in that rain. Because if you try running, you're still going to get wet. It's a half a kilometer away. The rain's coming down. There ain't no difference. Put your arms out and enjoy it. I had that happen to me once in Costa Rica. Unfortunately, my car ran out of gas and I was with a client and I looked at him, he looked at me and goes, listen, if we can push this a little bit of a way, I think I might be able to get to the station. He looks at me and goes, it's up to you. I go, I'm game of your game. And so this, this amazing client of mine and God bless him, I took my jacket off, of course, but I have my vest on, my pants, my shoes. And I said, you know, rain, 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 cars are beeping. You know, the whole shebang, people yeah. are laughing, rain coming down. I keep saying to myself, can't tell my wife. You have to tell your wife. You can't <laughs> tell your wife. You have to tell your wife. But I could tell my best friend and Phenon and his huge audience. And so um, I still keep in touch with this client today. 
And it's not like he teases me, but you have to admit it's probably one of the coolest bonding moments and mm -hmm. anchoring you can have with somebody. So, uh, yeah, I took the hit that day and the soaking. Mindset can truly shape somebody's life and reality. And so I, I have a quick story around something that you just said is uh, very similar. And I also want to uh, go back for a second and ask you something else. But I remember one day I was driving. I was probably like two cities away from where I was. And I catch a flat tire. And so I quickly try to get off the highway. And, and it's probably going to take like two hours for somebody to be able to actually come get me. Was I upset? No, I actually wasn't. What I did was, similar to what you said, right? You're either going to run or, you know, you can dance in the rain. You're still going to get wet. I actually keep a pair of skates in my, the trunk of my car. And so I just found a nearby parking lot, skates out, and I had a speaker on me, played some music, and I just made myself a little skating rink and just skated in circles for two hours until somebody came to pick me up. And I had a course. ball, right? It's all about how you treat the situations when they happen to you. And uh, if you can kind of start to, over time, Know, change that mindset, how you perceive situations, you'll start to really see how much you're changing as a person. But life isn't the bad situations aren't as bad as you, right? It's just a bump in the road. Like you said earlier, right? You may stumble, but you're not falling. But it's all a part of moving forward. So I, mean, I could have filled up my tank, so it was my fault. But um, <laughs> it there's probably, you know, if you really look back at it, 50% of your mess ups could have been avoided like a fumbled football mm -hmm. but um it's also the lesson learned of not touching the hot stove as a child so you, you don't do it a second time and you prepare true, and you true. also have a funny story to tell but um you need to laugh at it from time to time you don't cut your nose despite your face and self-sabotage but if you do get a wild card and a curveball and a moment to push your car half a block with a client in the rain and then you know laugh about it later at dinner after you've changed your clothes at the hotel and stuff. Um, it's wonderful. It builds character. It's a scar that you're willing to wear and share. And so I'm, I'm cool with that today. I've grown from that. You learned your <laughs> so. lesson. Now you know if you're picking up a client, make sure the car is uh, full of gas. <laughs> and clean, um, yeah. That too. I want to go back for a second. Um, to talk about, as you were saying, you have to be vulnerable to be powerful. Because uh, as I was saying earlier, one of the things I love to talk about on the show are a couple of things, imposter syndrome, overthinking, perfectionism. And when it comes to uh, people that are looking to accomplish their goals, whether it's creators, content creators, podcasters, authors, maybe they're YouTubers, doesn't matter what it is, right? Let's talk about perfectionism for a little bit. They want the piece of work that they're doing to be perfect and a lot of times that perfect that they're looking for that that last piece may not really exist and it helps a lot of times to just get 80 percent of what's either completed or what's already done or what they think is not perfect again to be able to get out in the world right i'll even give you an example to go along with uh my question my question i'm about to ask. So I recently just released my debut motivational album over the summer, or maybe like two months ago, I don't remember. But I was sitting on that project for a while, 
And I said, you know what? I have 12 songs or tracks I want to put on here. But I could not get those 12 tracks finished. I probably had like seven of them. I said, you know what? I'm just going to put this out. I, it wasn't all the way edited. It was just me, just myself, my thoughts, and everything I wanted to put onto that. I got, it felt vulnerable to not perfect it. And I put the project out. And I got so many messages, so many DMs telling me that this is amazing. I listen to this every single day. I listen to this when I get up in the morning. And it really made me realize, one, uh, as I've always said, that you don't have to make a project or idea perfect in order to get it out. But it was a vulnerable moment for me because I wasn't finished. I felt like I wasn't finished. But the piece of me that already existed was more than enough to have the impact, right? The powerful impact on everybody's life that listened to it. So I had to ask you, what are some of the a moment, just let's just go with one moment that you were vulnerable and you had a result of an impact that you saw on those around you? Of course. It was in between leaving my friend's call center and starting my own. There was a period where I was making calls for my brother's real estate company just to earn a living and put a little money away. But you know, I'm turning into my 30s, mid-30s. And I had a beautiful woman in my life and living in Costa Rica, but I really didn't have a, a solid game plan. I, I had skills. I just didn't know which arena to put them into. And so a very good friend of mine at breakfast one morning says, hey, Ricardo, why don't you just start a call center? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I started Googling things and call centers for dummies. And what was the most overwhelming was the IT. And... I had to almost do a white flag and go, I don't have the Cisco degrees to even understand where to begin. So I decided to make myself vulnerable by just starting small. I would have loved to have rented space and bought the equipment and had everything ready to go like a showroom, but that would have been overextending. So what I did, and I was fortunate, was able to rent a turnkey station at a blended call center, almost like a glorified internet cafe. Mm-hmm. So I can scale accordingly, pay the overhead, what he charged me per month per station, pay the taxes, the agent's salary, and make a margin. And was it fun? Yeah, but it wasn't stable until the second year when I had a good handful of clients and I grew. And then I started renting space and purchasing furniture that was used and used computers. So I was able to scale row by row accordingly. And then just seven years ago, we purchased this building and grew. So, you know, we were talking about a 16-year run on this thing. And every day, you could always lose your stack. And, you know, clients, they could have reversals like coronavirus did and COVID. And and sometimes industries come and go. They're hot for a moment and then they die. And so uh, what do you do? What I had to do is I was the one that, looked in their eyes and hired them and trained them and walked the roads with them. So I, I couldn't disrespect them. I, I was very selective of campaigns that came in here, so I didn't compromise ethics. And secondly, if things were happening, we did our best to give the best service we could and hit the numbers. And so, you know, you can't, as I mentioned before, in a very competitive labor pool, the agents have the leverage. They really do. And people come here because I call the balls and the strikes. 
And if you're winning, I'll praise it. If there's adjustments to be made, we'll do this diplomatically, strategically, but also privately. So you're not embarrassed. I don't give you a walk of shame. I don't need to play that sort of ego. But getting back to your artists, do you know what Marilyn Monroe and Cindy Crawford had in common? They had these beautiful beauty marks. A beauty mark. They are individuals that have a unique feature, which make them incredibly beautiful. I mean, in Costa Rica, look at the frogs and butterflies. I mean, they have all these different colors and patterns. And so for me, average is average. It doesn't have to be what necessarily society says is, because if you look at the decades of the hairdos, the style, the music, the cars, obviously me, you see my 1961 Ricola Regis, so I love my classic machines and, and pinball. So it's not rolling with a decade or borrowing someone's vibe or look. I'm cool with that. But you also need to be the most pure artist. And so mm. I believe there's a certain time frame when you create and produce your art if it's something that involves welding or building and finding pieces that takes time. But mm. if it's a drawing, painting, and you even know certain songs were ripped out in less than an hour and that's their greatest hit when they labor over something for years, it doesn't hit. And so for me, I love beauty marks. I love accents of speech. I like when there's a special sauce or a secret flavor or magic dust. There always needs to be the question mark on a box. There's always needs to be the, the, the jack-in-the-box prize. There's got to be a spring and a surprise. Mm -hmm. And the surprise is you. And don't tell me you're putting out seven paintings, but three paintings you're, you're laboring over. Yo, man, then do no paintings. <laughs> It's either all paintings or no paintings. Don't start, don't start separating the paintings. They're all still family and it all still has your energy and vibes to it. You sometimes have to let it go. There's, the worst thing ever is weight because it holds you down. Not physical weight. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a mental weight. And if you can let that go, you can rise. My favorite line on that is when Forrest Whitaker sees Fast Eddie in The Color of Money. And after he schools him in, Paul, in pool, he looks at him and goes, I think I should lose some weight. <laughs> oh, man. Totally was ripping on him. And I had to Google that. I go, what does that mean in gambling terms? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, losing weight, my friend, letting go of certain things so you don't have heavy heart or you're investing your time, energy, and resources in just circles and hitting walls and just things that just don't even give you pleasure anymore. You, you know, it's funny, my man. We're going to get back to the show in just a second. But in the middle of your journey to create, innovate, and lead, you probably found yourself facing challenges of creative blocks or stuck in the cycle of overthinking. Here's the thing. You aren't the only one experiencing this. So why should you go through this journey alone? What if there was a community of like-minded individuals all striving towards success, ready to support, motivate, and hold you accountable? Well, I have the solution for you. A place where ambition meets action, where your dreams get a roadmap, and where every single stride gets celebrated. We're more than just an online community. We're a collective of creators, freelancers, and entrepreneurs who believe in the power of togetherness to overcome obstacles and achieve greatness. Joining this online private community means that you're not just setting your goals, but also taking decisive steps towards them with a community ready to cheer you on with every step of the way. It's about consistent progress, shared learning, and the taste of achievement. 
If you're ready to elevate your journey, to transform your ambitions into achievements, and be part of a collective that believes, then achieves, visit VerifiedPhenom.com to take action today. That's VerifiedPhenom.com. When you're in a certain position and have you know, discretionary income, you could go out with the Rolex and steaks and lobster every night and travel and this and that. And by all means, enjoy your life. But you know perfectly well, and growing up, Halloween, when you're on your 44th piece of chocolate, <laughs> you almost want to throw up. Yeah. And your parents are like, keep eating, keep <laughs> eating. <laughs> you know, it's the one time they let you go. And so you can overindulge that and then it loses its luster. And so I, I still believe that if anybody can buy something, anybody can get it. But not everybody can be on the Phenon show and make a friend. There's only so much time we have to give to one another. And so I, I, I look at those things with a little bit more value than just the tasty 100 grand candy bar, which is my favorite, by the way, during Halloween, but um, especially frozen. And um, Frozen now. Oh, you know that the house that freezes their candy <laughs> and gives it out then they're the best house ever. They're never going to get egged on mischief night. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. I, <laughs> Dude, you're making me laugh. Uh, <laughs> hey, smiles all around <laughs> this Saturday. Yeah. Wait. In your opinion, how does somebody come to a realization that, need, that they need to drop some of the mental weights to barriers that they have? sizing themselves up to somebody. It's not fair if somebody has natural height or weight advantages over you. But if there's somebody that started like I did in high school as a triletterman lacrosse team, you know, naturally they have the people that played every year, but every season they'd have a half a dozen, dozen new cats walking on the field. And you know perfectly well, not all of them are going to make it. And then you ask yourself why, and then you say, who cares? <laughs> I want to be with the winners and the ones that go the distance. Not saying I don't care about my boy, but I'm, I'm dedicating myself to something else and giving that sort of commitment. And that was pretty cool. And um, water seeks its own level. And if somebody, not saying it's through envy or jealousy, you need to control those emotions. But if you want something, then you go do it. But if you see somebody that is in excellent shape, that has more lung capacity when you're running ball, okay? Or somebody when they're doing MMA or fighting, because you know it's not, it's really the core. Any boxer, athlete, or artist, CEO, if your breathing is off, your balance is off. If your balance is off, you're off. And so I, I just want to make sure that if people are looking around and they admire somebody that accomplished a realistic goal like I did with people that spoke second languages or had a good golf game or could ski, okay? Or people that could paint or draw or even supervisors because I skipped the stage, my man. I went from agent to owner where I never got tainted. But I'm learning from these mid-level amazing senior executives, their thoughts because it's a home court advantage for them as much as I try and pretend and be. I'm not Costa Rican. I'm from Philly, Northeast Philly. 
proud Abington. But that's not the point. The point is <laughs> that um, I'm just mixing two beautiful words here, incorporating gamification and proper grammar. Oh, I have a great suggestion for you. Something that assisted me along my journey were things that would unlock a writer's block. Because even though I was a Spanish major, I also studied communication and look what I'm doing, right? right? I love the thesaurus because what that does to me, it powers up my words. It puts on a tie. It really sharpens the tone and can avoid rabbit holes, diffuse egos and, and control any sort of conflicts that you have. And so I can give you the greatest example, Fina. So when an agent, unfortunately, might be coming from another call center with bad habits, their intentions are honorable, but they'll be on the phone and go, hey, Phenon, how may I help you? I go, I said may, not can. I go, no, I got you. I got you. But, but the word help. I know Phenon's cool with that, but some people... In my mind, it's me and quicksand saying, yo, help me, Phenon, help me. Or I'm like tied up on a train track with that guy rubbing his mustache about to kill me with the train. Yo, Phenon, come help me. No, no help. It's may I assist, guide, or lend a hand depending on the stage of the conversation. It's not excuse me, Phenon. It's for my clarification. I love falling on those swords. I love choosing battles wisely. And your name is very nice. So naturally we'd be spelling it phonetically with the military alphabet. So emails don't bounce back. A lot of people served in the military. These are anchors, my friend. So we can stop, drop, and roll and go from horizontal to vertical and start stacking open-ended questions. Stacking open-ended questions? Yeah, like a double-decker bus or a waiter <laughs> that can put like six or seven plates on each arm. Yeah. Those are the ones that get the big tips. You can do a name drop. You do that during transitional sentences. Use the personal pronouns, your and are, to anchor them in on certain sentences for balance. Mm -hmm. These are non-visual soft skills, my friend. I'm talking about taking away taste, touch, and smell. In my controlled environment, these agents expand their hearing because you're supposed to when you take away other senses. But then you say, yo, Richard, what about the sight? I go, Phenon, that's why you got the best podcast. It's, it's all about, as I mentioned, image streaming. It's imagination. It's description. And so I need you to paint, not print, this picture with this individual, would you keep you in the moment? You're going to be anchoring like crazy, turn-taking, mm. asking tie-down questions where things make sense and sounds good. Oh, here's a beautiful thing. When you get transferred, make sure to give a positive escalation to Kathy, the gatekeeper, the one answering the phone. Let her know that she did amazing. You did it verbally. And especially when you answer the phone, I'm going to let you know your assistant was amazing before even introducing myself. That takes a 10 to a two in regards to your defense and moves my two to a 10 in regards to an offense push. It's a beautiful push. Already started with three points in 30 seconds. Mine <laughs> to lose. You're not going to say we're good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. What? I just complimented Kathy. And 50% of the time, Phenon's going to say, that's my wife. That's my business partner. She's been with me for 20 years. So in the conclusion of our phone call, regardless of the outcome, because I do go the distance, 
And from an educated point of view, we decide to move forward. But let's say we do. Richard will include a Kathy written positive escalation to you when I follow up the email with the meeting minutes and all the good points, right? So when I call you back and she answers the phone, I get a hero's welcome. I get more company culture and information. She adds to my steam. And then she says, which is my favorite, she goes, she'll probably call me Richie. She goes, Richie, that's fine. In the 10 years I've been working with Phenon, you're like one of the only guys that ever said something like that about me. They're always trying to angle in here or forget about me or call me Betty. Nice Betty. No, it's Kathy. Mm -hmm. And it's very important for me because you're a huge part of this company here. Oh, Phenon's birthday's next week. By the way, we're getting a second location and there's a bowling party in three weeks. Remind him about that. And his kid is doing this and that. And I'm like, you're the greatest. And you wonder why people get Christmas presents. And when Phenon has to make a decision at the end of the week between 10 companies, six of them are India and the Philippines and they're offshore. So they're going to crush me on price. But then when he sits with Kathy and the other decision makers or even by himself, he will take me on merit and realize if the metrics make sense, I can't double the calls per hour, but mm -hmm. through soft skills and coaching, am I able to do 1.5 or two more than what the average guy carpet bombing is doing? You may take me into consideration. We may move forward because you and I showed such good faith prior to any sort of contract. And you know, Kathy's like, dude, you know, you got to work with Richie. Look what he's doing right now. Imagine if we start working together, you know, you know, he'll be in this to win this. And, and unlike the other people that worked with you, you know, and that would not call you or fluff it. Mm -hmm. I think this guy might actually call you and let you know what's going on, what the solution is, just in case there's an attrition or something happens. Not saying it will. Well, we're going to go through everything prior to working together. And so when you see this, it gives better percentages. You really bring in any distractions and wasted time and money. And then all you do is deal with the 10% wild card that just happens in life. And when that happens, I'll call you, go, yo, Phenon, guess this call we got today. You're not <laughs> going to believe this. And so you're like, no way. And, um, and it's usually a Hall of Fame call. It's usually a call where you're Indiana Jones, one hand holding onto the rock <laughs> about to fall off. And you're like, he was on the call for 43 minutes. Our average call is eight minutes. I'm like, dude, his numbers are great. Listen to this call. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's going round for round, just like, you know, like Rocky did, like Chuck Wetner against Ali. You see an agent go the distance, but guess what happened at the end of the call? What thing on? He didn't get the deal. Well, why? Well, in my case, we don't have Chinese speaking agents here. So unfortunately, after the qualification process, I can't hire those people. I don't do 24 seven. That's another thing by default. And third, I can't match the rates overseas. No one would take it. But you, you wonder why he was on the phone for that. Well, he needed that. He got off of that eight minute, 10 minute, 12 minute max mark, because that's what you average over doing this for three years. And he finally got this incredible call that tested every skill that he had, his composure, his knowledge, his rhetoric. But it wasn't even that. It's the wild card. 
You're supposed to be, you're a steakhouse, but you got a million dollar client that wants lobster. <laughs> what are you going to do? He'll have a couple bottles of wine, run down the street and buy those lobsters, come back and learn how to cook them. Oh, I mean, right. those are the clients because he's not going anywhere because I will eat lobster. Here. <laughs> and so that is your future supervisor. That is the vulnerability of not knowing. Billy's not going to fire you. Vernon's not going to yell at you. Richard's not going to bring you in the office and berate you. But I, I could have done four more calls and I didn't get the deal. That's the average. The ace goes, yo, man, get, get Phenon on the phone. You have to hear this call. I go, what happened? I didn't get it. <laughs> but listen to this fight. I did everything. I, did, I was on the website. I repeated the history. I even Googled other things. We spoke about her dog for seven minutes. And then 20% of the time, out of the blue, you get a phone call. You get an email and you go, what's going on here? It's Betty. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Betty? The 43-minute call? Yeah, it's Betty. <laughs> her son has five friends that need what you need right now. I go, what are you talking about? She goes, he said you were the nicest person ever. She can't stop talking. The son gets on the phone. Yo, what's up? What's up, Robbie boy? He goes, my mom can't stop talking about you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Start working with me so she'll shut up. I'm like, okay. I go, that's all she talks about is how you didn't curse. You didn't hang up. You know, she lives alone. You know, my dad died a couple years ago. I heard that on the call. She mentioned that. And she needed someone to talk to. She's a very wealthy woman. She's retired. She didn't know what to do. And so she called me. And so I've gotten a lot of my business through planting really, really nice seeds. And when I left that, people would water it for me or refer to me as the Costa Rican guy or the guy that had pinball or the call center guy. But... I must have at least got a folder in that category of their life where I'm interesting enough to remember and sometimes fortunate enough for them to make a bridge of an introduction and to build my business where you don't have to sell them at that time. That's the time they say, please give me five seats immediately so my mom can get involved. She wants to do this. You know, I, it was a wonderful time. And um, when you drive home that night, and you listen to your in excess music and your tunes and your tops down chilling. You look left and you look right and you say, why me? And then you say, well, me today, you tomorrow. I'll take my double scoop of ice cream and enjoy it. You're supposed to. You're supposed to enjoy your win. And if people are around to see it and congratulate you, that's a nice transfer of energy, and I want you to take it because you'll be doing the same as well. And they want to see one of their own winning. It's a nice reinforcement to know that they've surrounded themselves with somebody that is accomplished or has. They're seeing the end result. They're seeing the belt and the prize and the photograph and the champagne. But, Phenom, what about the six months prep? What about that 5 a.m. rise? What about the what ifs? So there's always a good story that gets you there. And the people that I love to talk to, the end result's great. And I like the beginning, but everyone's got a plan. But I, I like 
the middle. I like the time when someone gives you a really good one. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you get back up? What gets you back up? What do you think about? And for me, a lot of it has to do with how I was raised. A lot of my mentality because of my confidence were the friends that I grew up with at Abington and, and on my street and, and these incredible people that at such young age were so confident in themselves and had plans. So I strived to match and exceed and I found my own niche and I did my own thing. But I go back to certain foundations. I do believe in Genesis and Sparks. I, I, it could have happened a million times different ways to Sunday. But for fortunately for me, I was raised with people that were raised well too and that were just great people. And um, so I guess my moments is about, you know, family and friends, not just to make them proud, but I feel like I have that tiger blood in me. We might not be related through blood, but if you spend enough time with somebody, there is an uh, electromagnetic energy that is transferred. It's true, even from a smile across a room, or even if painting or a hug, there's so many ways it could be transferred, even if someone's thinking about you. And I also believe if you spend decades with people or a lot of time with people, it's almost like a scent on a coat. You bring it with you and it doesn't go away if you don't want it to. And so a lot of it is about keeping that sort of tradition of all of us encouraging one another and about saying, okay, man, go for it. We'll watch you. Let's see if you can climb this tree. And so Growing up, a lot of your friends have to encourage you to be bold and brave. And sometimes you skin a knee and other times you make the jump. But either way, you, you, you get the respect of your crew. And, um, and then you do that in life and business. And, you know, I, I do appreciate the maverick and the rebel. And, and if somebody can put their numbers up on, on the wall, I respect the art. Okay. But just like fire could be used for warmth and health and light, but it could also be used to burn. And so people have to be very careful of certain skills that they master or that can earn them money or give them leverage. And so for me, if somebody is a top producer, instead of working from home or putting yourself in a certain office, which are the acclimates, the real general of the army, the chesties, We'll sit with their people. We'll eat with their people. We'll be George Patton with their people. Sure, they got the, the stars and, and the, the position. They earn that. But they also love to be with their people. And when they look at others in their eye and they know they're there in their wheelhouse as well, and they've put in the time to say, hey, this is, this is, this is my life. You get the respect of the youngins and they see a true leader one that didn't break, and one that through society and culture decided to elevate and promote. And for me, being a guest here, and the fact I'm celebrating 16 years and have grown to 150 enough people with me over a decade, Finan, what do you do? How do you say thank you besides paying them? Which everyone's like, well, pay them more. Okay. But I want to be the last boss they ever have. I want to make sure that the day is when you let go of that bike, they're not only balanced, but they go their distance into the horizon and sunset and, and become future leaders and pass on this tradition that I started. What tradition? I know your name. I'll eat pizza with you and play pinball with you. 
I'll listen to your phone calls and make sure you sound like a million bucks and be your biggest fan. People don't write books about that. All they do is write books about million dollar ideas that no one's ever thought about before. I think about the things I respected most growing up. It was the generations that were polite and had courtesy and manners. and They were self-conscious and consciously aware of people around them. And one of my favorite things to do is to open doors for people. Not like I'm a doorman or expect a five spot where the gambler's called a time, but um, like if you see a nice elderly couple walking or a group, you'll open the door and smile. Take a guess what percentage of people say thank you. I know less. 20%. I'm about to say it's less than 50. I do the same thing all the time. and not 20%. But the ones that do look at me and I look at them, they're like, thank you. And I go, you know, so my pleasure. And yeah, I love seeing name tags and I'll let Judy know she makes the best sandwich. So, you know, she's giving me extra pickles. Why? Use the name tag. <laughs> That's what I do. But I love opening doors or complimenting people when you know they, they feel good about themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. And you'll see people who have straight faces all of a sudden smile. Or sudden they walk differently because they were pacing quick because they were lost in thought. Let them slow down for a minute and shine. And that's just the way I kind of see things now, my friend. It's a great perspective. I have. <laughs> Don't laugh. I have. Stop. Laughing's contagious. Um, planting seeds. Sorry. If you were to, wrapping up, if you were to give the audience one takeaway, one tip, one actionable step to leave this conversation with, how can they go about their life moving forward, planting seeds? You know, and it's quite simple. Just don't be hard on yourself. Really. And I understand there are certain levels and you are, there are comparisons out there. I'm cool with that too. But um, I guess I gave up on that a long time ago because there will always be somebody that has more money than you, that can run faster than you, is taller than you, might have more connections than you. Think of all the things that you believe will assist you in getting where you want. There will always be someone that will be far above in line, better seat in first class over you. Okay. And that's why I always believe in organic because anybody can buy a friend and anybody can buy that ticket. But if you're all authentic and organic, that's usually the people that get to the highest levels of business because they'll take the butt kissers and sometimes backstabbers and office politickers and they will put them where they need to be because they're the people that can get things done and their tattletales or their filters or their whatever they are. But the final decisions, and you've seen this in movies and like the Godfather and, and 
JFK was with RFK before certain things, when it, when it really, 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 really counts. Like even with Mike Tyson, and you look in his corner with his trainer, Gustamato, and the other guys there, he, he knew Mike Tyson was one of the most famous boxers in the world, still is. But during his prime, I mean, who didn't love Iron Mike? But when you see the emotion and embracing after he wins, it's usually from the guys working in the corner, not Don King or the promoters or the millionaires or athletes and, and actors. It, it was the people that were with him every day and that he loved to death. And um, I always thought that was the coolest thing. You, you got to see, because you knew that was the most important time when they're walking in the ring and it's not even for the flash. It's it's just to go there, and that's their support. It's not it, a lot of boxers fought before there was even television and photographs, but they still had their ring. They saw their corner, and I love seeing that sort of raw emotion between people because imagine that sort of push that they're doing with each other. And so you think boxers or myself or you have good days and bad days? Of course we do. But in order to win, you accept your hunger, your thirst, the heat, the cold, your aches and your pains. You find ways to cure it either naturally or through meditation or rest or food. And you surround yourselves with people that say, go, keep going. And I, I believe that, and, and I'll keep using Iron Mike as an example, the man laughs and cries. And I guarantee his corner saw him in his highest moments and his weakest moments. We know his history if you've studied it. And so by being after his wins hugging, it, 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 there's a lot of combination there. And if you can eliminate that mind weight of hard on yourself because of the comparison, it, it's just, it's wasted space in your luggage, in your hard drive, in your car, in your pockets, with your two arms out. If you're in the car chilling with your, with your honey, you only have so much room. Slice it out, cut it out. It's fat. Let it go. And if you can replace it with other things, you can do it. Now, you may need to be selfish sometimes. Don't put your finances or family at risk. And, and you don't want to ruin your reputation with a certain long shot. But I was given these green lights along the way and checkpoints and it almost seemed to make too much sense that if I didn't take it, I'd regret it for the rest of my days. And so um, that was the most difficult conversation. It wasn't the going, it was the staying. And when I flew back and had to explain to my family that I was going to be leaving and I'd fallen in love and I'd like to see what it'd be like to work at a call center prior to even thinking about even running one, just to a 27 years old like you, my good friend. How could you say no? I was elated. I was in love. The only thing is that they missed me. They didn't understand it. You know, it's Central America. Something could happen. Yeah, but something could happen everywhere and anywhere. I'm not counting, licking my thumb and counting hundies on the corner in Boys Town at two in the morning. Right. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm being respectful, following the rules, mm -hmm. making nice, living life, drinking it. And people have expectations and I had to hold my ground. And there were those sort of checkpoints of showing I was being responsible financially and 
But this thing was a whirlwind. Should have never happened. It was a one in a million shot. You're not supposed to move to another country, learn a business, start it, and be successful. You can. But you know what they say. Finan, they say that, what, 90% of uh, companies make it one year and only 1% make it 10 years. Okay. Did I have my ups and downs? Sure. I put a lot of eggs in one basket, lost some clients. But um, it's one to die with my boots on. Could always click my heels and come home. There's always a warm bed and a meal waiting for me. And, um, you know, your audience should always want to leave their castle so they can slay a dragon, save a princess, and become a prince. If you don't have that sort of drive to live life and have some sort of real, not just adventure, you don't need to jump off of things and climb things, but that mental adventure. Choose your own adventure, using the skills that you have to take your stick and your bandana with your food in it, slip it over your shoulder and walk down that sunny road. I always thought those are the most interesting stories to me. It's not because of the story at the moment, it's the story of what's to come. Anticipation is one of the most beautiful drugs in the world. And I ask my class, what do you prefer? Hey, yo, Fina, what do you prefer, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Either answer's fine. Right. Um, I'll probably go with... Uh, I'll probably go with Christmas Eve. Me too. The anticipation of what's to come, like when you buy that lottery ticket. My wife thinks I'm weird. You know why? why? <laughs> That's a thousand answers, but here's <laughs> one. I'll order food, comes on the table, and I literally stare at my steak or my burger or my fish for an extra couple seconds. She <laughs> goes, why don't you start in? I go, honey buns, you know how good this thing looks and smells. I just want to keep looking at it because I can always eat it. But it's just that anticipation before you go just makes it that much sweeter. And so... Um, I like that sort of stuff. If you can have a lot of first downs, you'll get your touchdowns. And so I just say, accept your 10% wild card wiggle, but really master that 90% and do what Mike Tyson did, be a champion. And uh, we can just take it from there. Well, Richard, this has been amazing amazing conversation when i say that you've been you've been dropping gems left and right i, I really hope that the audience <laughs> has been picking them up definitely all yeah it was a great time it's a good time how can people find you uh, that's a great question well like yourself when we discussed this prior to the cod podcast you're coming to costa rica so <laughs> buy themselves a first class plane ticket and fly down here now Real fast for your audience, we are north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. Costa Rica is the only democratic society in Central America, so there's no standing army. They have a 95% literacy rate, and they put all their money back into education. Best infrastructure. Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. We're known for medical and ecotourism. And if you like surfing, it's some of the best in the world. Surf School and The Endless Summer was filmed in Costa Rica. And so... I'm here. I got a lot of nice suggestions for you and your audience. And 
this very large Facebook fan page that I have has 127,000 local Costa Rican Ticos in the call center industry. So when this goes live, you'll have a lot of new fans in Central America. And I really can't thank you enough for this opportunity to be with you on your podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Like I said, uh, I can already tell before we got everything rolling, uh, based on the, the short conversation that we were having before we went live, that was going to be a good conversation. And it, it, oh, yeah. it definitely was. Uh, but thank you again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Verified Phenom Podcast. I'm your host, Phenom. I will catch you on the very next episode. See ya. That's all right.